Here's the story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync. One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high-level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry. If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. If you have been here and listening to us, thank you so much for your support. We love to hear your messages and your thoughts on our past episodes. So please continue to share. And if this is your first time listening, welcome to the podcast. My name is Melissa Obratka. I always forget to say that. Again, I forgot to say I'm from the US, but maybe they can tell by our accents. (laughs) We have a really exciting guest with us tonight. So we have another Australian guest, which I'm really proud to introduce, and his name is Dr. Mark Wotherspoon. Mark is a private practice general dentist who loves working with hygienists and OHTs. And he's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring him on is because he's such a huge supporter of us. And it's great to see a dentist that really sees what we can bring to the practice and how we can all work together. He's also worked in remote Kimberley of Western Australia, served in the regular army as a dental officer, and even set up a dental surgery within a private prison. I have some questions. More recently, Dr. Witherspoon has developed the Portable Dentist Service, Dental to Your Door, and participated in the ADA's submission to the Royal Commission into Aged Care Quality and Safety. He's also invented and developed and launched a range of home care dental hygiene products with Dr. Mark's Hygiene. So we're going to have a lot to talk about today because there's so much here to unpack. But firstly, say hello to everyone. Yeah, well, thank, thank you. Very, <laughs> hello, everyone. And um, yeah, massive, massive fan of Disrupting uh, and its its podcasts. And I've not just been an avid listener, but an, and I've learned something from every single episode. And uh, I particularly loved the first episode where you explained to your audience that, uh, you know, dental hygienists are the specialists in oral hygiene. And um, that really struck a chord with me because I've worked with hygienists for many years and and have seen the clinical benefits to my patients and also to my practice. And uh, but I think when you put it in that that context, it uh, and it's it's made me turn around and change the way that I do what I do out in aged care. It's changed the way I do things in, you know, in my fixed practice as well. Uh, and I've certainly elevated oral hygiene instruction to that first visit and before I start treatment. Uh, thank you, Melissa, and thank you, Tabitha. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a wonderful podcast and, um, and I'm very pleased to be on, on your program t- uh, today, tonight. Thank you so much for your kind words. And and we're so pleased to have you here because you have some amazing things that you've been doing throughout your career. I can't wait to hear all about them. Thank you. It's uh, it's dentistry is a journey and um, it never stops. For sure. Can you tell us how you actually made that first step to go into dental? Let's bring it right back. You've just finished school and how did you make that decision? Well, I... I, as a teenager, I really wanted to be a professional golf player. You know, that was that was where my heart was and um, uh, practised very hard. Uh, I was also, as well as going to school, working a part-time job uh, at the local greyhound tracker at, at the dogs as a, as a, what called them a glass boy, but I was wandering around collecting glasses. And 
one of the barmen was a second-year dental student and um, I was, it just shows you how big a nerd I was, am, as I saw him writing out, you know, the, you know all these sort of, the Krebs cycle and, uh, you know, all these sort of biochemistry equations and I was just fascinated. But so hanging around with that, that early experience, I suppose something stuck in there. But, you know, I wanted to be a pro golfer and uh, my dad explained that my two heroes, Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer, uh, both uh, went to university and did business degrees uh, because as a safeguard in case they, they didn't make it in golf. Um, so uh, anyway, I ended up in dental school when I found out fairly early on that I wasn't going to be good enough and my, my first choice was dentistry but my second, third and fourth choice was uh, commerce and economics. So... Um, but ended up in dental school and, and um, loved, you know, and it's just been a, a wonderful profession um, and uh, for many reasons. And so did you join the Army while tr- studying or was that after you finished dental school? Yeah, so when I finished uh, uni, I'd only really just turned 22. I'd turned 22 in the September and graduated in the in the November Um so living at home, I, I didn't join the Army straight away. I went up to the remote Kimberley district in Western Australia, which if you know Western Australia, it's right at the very top. And, um, you know, I suppose that real outback part of Australia. And uh, I was based at a hospital, so I had a waddle one-chair practice, uh, one-chair surgery there and another one-chair surgery in a small town 400 kilometres south of Wyndham, a little town called Halls Creek. And then every six to eight weeks, we'd charter a light aircraft and fly out to isolated stations and communities and really just sort of pull teeth and put in temporary dressings. And uh, this was out on people's verandas at a station or in a, you know, in a laundry in a, in a mission house. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, certainly learned uh, how to pull a tooth without, you know, there was no radiology or other support. Uh, but uh, it, that was very, very rewarding. And the people... You know, I've never felt uh, so wanted in, in my entire career because people are travelling for, you know, five, six hours to come and see you just to get a job done. So at, it was wonderful at such an early stage in my career. Uh, but got itchy feet and went back to to Perth and did some locum work with the school dental service. So did a lot of paediatric dentistry for five or six months and then, uh, you, you know, realised that wasn't, what I wanted to do, do forever. So uh, joined the army, and um, and that was a, that was a bit of a thrill. There was some basic training, and um, you know I learned to march and and uh, f- fill out paperwork and um, and the general dentistry as well. So I'm still honing my general dental skills uh, there as well. And how long funny? Oh, sorry, Melissa. No, it's okay. I was just going to comment that it's so funny. I feel like so many people that have had talked about their time in pedo, it's like, it, I did it. I realized I don't want to keep doing it. And I left. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. it, takes, it, takes a very, it takes a very special person to do uh, pedo, you know, uh, and, and I'll tell you, take my hat off to them. And I, and, um, and, and, and I continued working and, and enjoying mostly working with kids uh, my entire career, but uh, yeah, it, it takes a very special person, and um, and I don't think I'm that person. For sure, so am I. <laughs> no, me either. 
no worries. Um, some days I don't even, well, I think why do I have kids, but like, that's another subject for life. Um, so how long were you in the Army for? Uh, just under three years and, and um, you know, based in Western Australia and then over, came over to New South Wales uh, at Kapuka, and, which is the one first training battalion. And, look, um, still have some friends from my Army days uh, and it, it's certainly a career that suits some people as far, from a dental perspective, but, again, it's quite limited. Um, and as much as I enjoyed my time there and learnt a lot, um, you know, and I grew up a lot uh, in that time, uh, but then it was time to move on, and it, it, I started doing some Saturday morning work uh, in in our local town, uh, which and then it just really clicked for me, and I and I loved private practice, and the scope, my scope sort of opened right up, and um, all the various courses, and I sort of had all these different things I wanted to do all lined up, you know, get better at endo and get better at surgery, and start doing some more work with soft tissue management and, and um, you know, this is before hygienists were routine um, and we didn't have a local periodontist so wanted to really sort of dive down into soft tissue management and then understand occlusion better and start working my way up to more complex treatment from there. But, you know, you've got to understand soft tissue before you can, you know, before you can go anywhere with uh, complex treatment. So, um yeah, and then to private practice I went and I worked as an assistant dentist. Uh, so that's on commission for four years. And, uh, I, you know, I had two chairs in a six-chair practice where I was bouncing back and forward, you know, like an idiot for, for the whole time and thinking that it was just the coolest thing to be treating two people at once. And uh, and anyway, and then I, I wanted my own show. So after four years um, I took up an opportunity to invited to set up to set up this uh, dental surgery within a private prison, uh, which was which was an interesting experience, um, and uh, we, it was an American company um, which which ran it, and um, I was there when the first inmates arrived, and I sort of thought my army training would be would be of some help. So I still remember when they first arrived, and I'd say, you know, "Righto, men, you know, line up, and who wants their teeth fixed?" And everyone just sort of looks at you and Gives you the finger and, you know, <laughs> it's just a very, very, very different. So that was an incredibly steep learning curve. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and but, uh, again, uh, I learned a lot about life and uh, it changed the way I thought about um, prisons. Um, and, um, you know, I can tell you right now that, you know, 90% of them, shouldn't be in prison, they should be in a hospital. And, uh, you know, if, if the budget could afford that. Um, and, you know, we set up a huge drug problem, you know, uh, many of the medium, it was a medium security prison. Um, and then that's a different type of polypharmacy, which affects your saliva. And, you know, you see all these, you know, you can sort of tie aged care and drug abuse uh, with the dry mouth problem. And you see all that, you know, the root caries and and the zero, you know, the dry mouth problem, and the high sugar diet, and you know, poor oral hygiene, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We we had the first uh, fluoride mouthwash after your methadone treatment program in in New South Wales, which I was very proud to set up. We based it off a, off a South Australian model, um, and as we know, South Australia is quite a leader in preventive services in in Australia. And um, but you know, sadly, after I left. 
uh, after seven and a half years, I did two days a week there, which is called a lag, by the way. Seven, seven, seven years as a lag. Um, that that fluoride intervention program uh, finished up, but uh, you know, uh, and I think our hearts were in, in the right place. I'm not quite sure if the results matched the intention. I have a question. Um, so obviously I don't know much about dental care in prisons. I know it definitely happens, but my knowledge is really zero. Was there, a, like, what were you allowed to do? Like was there much of a preventative or was it really just treat the worst and see what you can do? Like how did the system actually work? Yeah, so if you think of the same level of care as, as a public dental hospital, so we we uh, did amalgam restorations on posterior teeth and composites on anterior teeth and a lot of extractions um, and and you know you'd offer you would offer uh, you know scale and polishes and fluorides and things and and whether people were in the right mindset to to take up those opportunities so there was certainly an oral hygiene message which uh, often went um, it was often ignored. But for me, you know, when, when the judge says, you know, your sentence is, you know, 10 years or five years or six months, the judge doesn't say it's five years and poor dentistry or five years and no dentistry. So, you know, I really thought that it was an opportunity for me to, to dive in and help uh, and help people. And, and often, um, you know, dentistry and, and preventive care is is about the, the health of people for sure and um, that's extremely important. But it's also important for job prospects. It's important for relationships. It's important for a person's dignity. And when we do get to talk about aged care, that's a big, big part of why I do it. And, you know, we know the science is there, but it's so much more, so much more than that. So I would, you know, if someone was getting out in six months uh, and they would come in to get a tooth out that was a sore tooth or, you know, their, their, their chief concern addressed, uh, I would then encourage them to come back to get something done with their, you know, their aesthetics. And, you know, you can do a, you can do a lot for somebody in a fairly short period of time and, and composites not, not expensive. Um, and, you know, then they're in the mirror and they're smiling and, and you just know that, you know, they've got a better chance of not, you know, being back in there again shortly after. The chances of them, their family accepting them, their, their girlfriends welcoming them back, uh, somebody giving them a job, you know, it's just so much higher. And, you know, you can have a rotting, you can have rotting stumps at the back, but at least if you can smile, um, you know, that's a pretty good start. So that was certainly a big part of my philosophy in the prison system. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's really nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have a question about providing care in the prison system. Do do they provide inmates with just regular home care supplies like brush floss, toothpaste? Yeah, absolutely. Now there is, you know, we we all probably are aware that you can you can get a toothbrush and 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 sharpen it to a shiv, and you know, so there's certain and um, floss can be used for all sorts of things as well. So look, there, it, it's um. But no, look, they, basic toothpaste and toothbrushes were certainly provided. Um, but you've got to also remember that, uh, and, and I'm sure you know that uh, people come in looking at dentistry through their own lens, and if they've had zero 
oral hygiene instruction or zero dental education and, and their dental IQ is, is low. Um, and, then, and then even if you do have a, a good dental IQ and the 10 people around you think that you're being a bit of, you know, <laughs> being a bit of a sissy or something or other because you actually brush your teeth, well, then, you know, you, you probably stop fairlies. So there's a, lo there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in institutional care. And um, uh, so, you know, you, you just have to do the best we can uh, and be sensitive to the fact that, you know, we, we understand that dentistry is the most important thing in the world and, you know, people should be flossing <laughs> twice a day and, and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in their lives. And, and if you can just sort of uh, f figure out the best way to help, um, then uh, that's what you do. Yeah. I have one more question. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you didn't come on here to talk about prison dentistry, but it's it is fascinating. Yeah. Um, I, I suspect this was a problem, um, but you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. But when people are doing a methadone clinic or they've had a, a history of, of drugs, what's it like then anaesthetizing them for procedures such as extractions or deep fillings? Because that's that can sometimes be an issue and was that something that was really difficult yeah well you, you know i was blissfully unaware of that problem so so uh you, you know you just think that you needed to put more in you know and and because when you put when you did the testing before the extraction or the the pulpotomy or whatever so um this was back before the days of articane um so yeah, you just keep loading it up and and thinking, well, it must be my fault or whatever. And and probably most of the time it was, you know. I mean, uh, you do your best to put it in the right spot, but you know, in dentistry, we we've got these certain landmarks that we use to help us guide into the right spot. And every single, you know, there's seven billion mouths on the planet at the moment that are all different. So it's not you don't we're not that surprised when we don't quite get the right spot, but. No, I just kept loading them up until, you know, I could get the job done. And if you didn't, well, you bought them back another day. Yeah. But you, you get fairly good at, um, you know, getting through the appointment. Um, and uh, so, no, I didn't, I didn't actually have too much of a problem, thankfully. <laughs> and so when you've done your seven years at the prison, yeah. what next? What happened next? Yeah, so uh, I had, uh, as well as the prison, I also had a one-chair uh, I set up from scratch, took over an old bank building and converted that into a one-chair practice in, in the small town uh, next to the jail and and, they, uh, and I enjoyed that very much and that gave me the groundwork. Uh, you know, I was literally going home and writing the checks out for the wages and the cleaner's bill and, you know, Henry Schein and Hallis and you'd sort of, you were, you were doing it all. Um, and, and that experience and that process and, and you start learning a little bit about man management with my two you know I had one clinical assistant and one front office um and uh, and a part-time cleaner and so then I, I was ready I felt ready for uh the next step uh so went back so this was just out of Wagga 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 is the little town that I live in Melissa which is uh, about halfway between Sydney and Melbourne in uh, rural New South Wales, uh, a lovely part of Australia. I can't uh, wait. And I can't wait until life 
with traveling and we're safe, I, I am bringing my whole family to Australia and Tabitha doesn't even know this yet, but she's touring me because I want to see all these places where we get to talk with all these amazing dental professionals. Like I want to see all this stuff. Well, well, we do a lot of barbecuing down in, in, in uh, our part, all over Australia, but uh, I'll cook you both a nice meal on the barbecue when, when you, when you're coming through and, um, uh, yeah, so I, I felt ready to to go to the next level, and um, you know, bought into a, a family dental practice that had four was a four chair practice, and we were booked out. You know, it was a pretty crazy time. Uh, we were booked out for eleven months, twelve months, and a, and uh, which was a really unhealthy sort of existence. Um, and we decided that we would expand. So we went from two dentists to sort of four and a half dentists, uh, three hygienists and a visiting orthodontist. And that, that process took a while. We also went through the digital revolution. So, you know, you go from, <laughs> go from hand, um, you, you know, developing x-rays and then you get digital, which was just a, a wonderful, wonderful, you, you know, change. And, and you put in your OPG and then you go to the next level with, all sorts of things. And once you've introduced hygiene to your practice, you just never look back. And, um, yeah, so that that uh, 15 years of, of going through that and we had a, a really wonderful team and, and it's, it's not without, it's not without, without its challenges, you know, there's, you know, good days and bad days <clears throat> with it. But, um, yeah, so enjoyed that very much and then sold my part of that business uh, in, um, yeah, end of 2015. Wow, and such an amazing journey you've had. Love wow. it. And that's when Dentistry started, when you sold that part of the business and then you started Dentistry to the Door, is that? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, um, I, I've, I've got to say that I've always known that there was a problem um, in, in aged care, you know, that certainly dentistry in aged care is nothing new uh, at all. I mean, there are a few... Uh, hygienists and dentists who have been providing services into aged care for for decades, and they've been ringing the bell and 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 telling everybody who would listen about the problems that they were seeing, you know, every single day. And and I guess uh, you know I didn't listen hard enough. And, and and it wasn't until you know some of my elderly patients, not always that old either, would simply just stop coming. And you know you sort of think, oh, they've gone somewhere else or. You know, but, but then you find out they've sort of dropped off this treatment cliff where it all just got too hard, you know. And, and again, um, as important as dentistry is, they've, you know, they've got heart problems and they've got arthritis problems, you know, they've got a lot going on, you know, a heck of a lot. And they're trying to deal with that. And and coming down for their six monthly is just that bridge too far. And and then it becomes 12 monthly and then it's sort of, and then it's only when something goes wrong and then, if, and then it, then it just goes to zero. So I did want to find out what was going on, and and uh, when I started looking around, and probably the best way to explain why I'm so passionate about uh, improving aged care dentistry is if you think in your own minds back to the last time you had a bit of food caught between your teeth, and you know it was a bit uncomfortable and. You know, and and, um, and then if you close your eyes and think, well, you, you couldn't get it out. What's your mouth going to feel like in twenty in in a day or two? And uh, and for your 
for your listeners who aren't driving their cars, close literally close your eyes and think, you know, what's that mouth feel like after a day or two? And and now imagine what it would be like after a week where that food's still there and you haven't had your teeth cleaned at all in a week's time. And, you know, by now your gums are starting to bleed and, and um, you've sort of lost your sense of smell and taste is sort of going downhill quickly. And now imagine what that's like after a month and literally nothing's been cleaned in your mouth and you can smell yourself. Um, you can't enjoy your food. Uh, your mouth is, is uh, bleeding. It's clear signs of, of infection. And now imagine what that would be like after six or eight months of zero hygiene. You know, it's, it's um, and if you think it couldn't get any worse, in the door of your aged care room walks your husband or your wife of 50 years to come and spend some time with you. And you can see them bravely coming up to you, but the smell, it's just, it's just awful. But they, they still bravely give you a quick hug or whatever, and all you want is a hug because you haven't been hugged for forever. And then, uh, and then the grandkids come in and you can sort of almost see them sort of holding their noses and and this gets back to the point I was making earlier. It, it is a health problem. You know, it is aspirational pneumonia and blood and cardiovascular and, you know, all that stuff. But what I'm seeing uh, every single day that I go out is it's it's the relationship killer. It's the dignity. The person has lost their dignity. They can't enjoy their food. And you know, by far and away, I know that I'm improving when I do my hygiene visits and my dental visits. I know I'm improving their the health, you know, no doubt about that. But I'm also improving, you know, their quality of life. And for me, that's by far the most rewarding aspect of what I do. And, you know, Melissa and, and Tabitha, it's 99% uh, of surgeries, this is happening in your neighbourhood. This isn't a problem somewhere else. This is around the corner. And it's what if it was your, you know, husband or wife or your grandma or your, your mum or your dad? And, you know, and it's uh, it really is time that we, we start, you know, and it's our job. We need to do something and it's our job to do it. So, you know, I was, uh, you know, absolutely determined to, um, you know, find out what was going on and then, and then, make uh, debtors to your doors helping my community. But my big passion is to spread the word and to educate the dental, educate the community as to the importance of having a healthy mouth and then educate, uh, you, you know, the dental community to a, a viable model of practice that can go out and actually add a little revenue stream because, you know, if people, if people want treatment, and need treatment, but just can't, and they're happy to pay for treatment, and they just can't get it. Well, then mm. you know, we're a big part of the problem. And and when people can't afford it, well, then that's where a strong public service is so important as well. Uh, and and the dentist to your door model of care, you know, certainly has a financial aspect to it. But the the same model of care can be used in both uh, you know private and public clinics. Um, and I certainly think that you know in, in it's and we are getting traction you know people are listening now and it's a shame it's taken a royal commission in australia and 
And Melissa, don't give up in the states. You know, I, I know that. You know, dentistry gone wild. Podcasts uh, with the other um, Melissa um, and uh, Sonia over yes. in um, Noble Dentistry. Yes, yeah. And I've been a part of the alliance since it started as well. So I'm. I love the webinars that are coming out of the US. So there's a big movement going on over in the US, and I'm learning, uh, you know, so much from from those as well, and sort of almost reaffirming what I'm doing. You know, we're on the right. We're on the right track. Absolutely. See, our our biggest problem here in the states is, at, at least for hygienists, is the fact that we don't have a national license. And so, like for my state, I I live in one of the more strict states where I have to work under direct supervision, and I'm allowed to also work under general supervision. So I cannot create like my own mobile dentistry unit and travel to these places and treat patients. Unfortunately. I would need to do that with a dentist. So that's that's the problem is that we don't have the ability to just go out because as you're speaking about your experience and and with the elderly care and and we have a, another amazing proponent um Angie Stone here in the US who's really developed a protocol where she actually goes into these facilities and just brushes and flosses for these patients because that's we're allowed to do that and we're not you know violating our practice act in that way. But like, as you're speaking, I'm like, you know, I, I would roll around with my airflow from patient room to patient room to patient room. Like if I just had a setup that I could do that and just flush that out so gently for patients, but increase yeah. their health, like immediately by taking that bio burden out of their system. Yeah, it's, 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 it's what you're saying is exactly right. And, and, and just on, on your friend, um, was it Angie? Was it, did you say? Angie you Stone. Said? She has, yeah. um, she, she wrote a book called Dying from Dirty Teeth. Yeah, well, you know, and and uh, look, she's she's one hundred percent right. But can I, when I, you know, we've got a, a program sort of a little bit based like that called the Senior Smiles Program in in Australia, and um, you know, Associate Professor Janet Wallace has been a big advocate of this for, for years. And 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 the way I think about mobile dentistry and and you know, someone just taking care of the day to day oral hygiene is is I relate it to I relate it to the fire brigade. And quite simply, you know, us, us portable dentists with our portable equipment and our airflow or whatever we've got, we're, we're like the fire engine and we're going in and we're, you know, with the bell ringing and we're going to go in and we're going to fix something, you know, whether it's a preventive care visit or whether it's taking a sharp edge off a tooth or, fix, you know, repairing something. So, you know, we're the, we're the heroes and we'll be on the calendar for sure. But, you know, the... Senior Smiles program is putting oral health therapists and hygienists as part of the staff into aged care facilities part time. So they might be there a day a week. Now, you know, they're, they're that part of the fire brigade that, you know, gets people cleaning leaves out of their gutters on their roof and they're doing fire breaks and they're developing emergency plans and, you know, what happens if this goes wrong and that education side of it. And I think we all know which which one saves more lives. You know that the it's the day to day preventive. So, you, you know, uh, anything you can do to support in Australia, and I so this is to our Australian listeners, um, Tabitha. Anything you can do to support the Senior Smiles program and make that happen. Uh, that that's an immediate. That that really needs to happen uh, and escalate very quickly because that's the only real way we're going to sort this thing out. Uh, and and hats off to Angie over in, in 
in the states because you know I think that's sort of the the big one. But we still need the we still need the fire truck with the with the ladder and and because there'll always be dental problems that need fixing. Um, but the two go the two are married together. The two need to be together. Um, Something Tabitha and I often talk about is because um, we specialize with our patients in the implant population. <clears throat> and we always say, well, what happens with these patients who have a full mouth implant rehab? Now they're in an aged care facility and they don't have the dexterity or the equipment or anyone to assist them to take care of this. And the level of care that you need is more than brushing and flossing to be able to manage that prosthetic and keep them healthy. So that's a big issue too. And as that population starts to age more, we're going to see a lot of problems with that. And I just had a colleague send me an article about a patient who had periimplantitis that ended up, uh, the infection went to their brain. So it's like, this is coming down the pike and we, we, well, it's down the pipe. It's down the pipe, Melissa. And, you know, I've seen implant cases in Wagga um, and uh, all we do is, you know, deconstruct the setup and and uh, and just leave it. Um, so, yes, certainly thought needs to be given at the, at the planning stage as to what does this look like in 10 years and 20 years. And it needs to have, clearly needs to have, a, you know, a removable, we screw them in, uh, to start off with, but then you have to go to a, you know, to some sort of magnetic or uh, whatever other type of attachment, so that at least it can be taken in and out reasonably easily. And then, um, and then after that, uh, the next level, a, a partial denture or, or whatever it is. But um, the conversation needs to be needs to be had, and people's circumstances can. It's not a linear process, you know. People's circumstances can change very quickly and you know part of the community I look after are people who have had you know spinal injuries and, and have you know neurological problems as well and these aren't old people with, with dentures you know these people in their 40s and 50s uh, so we never know what's around the corner and although it is important to hope for the best you know part of us needs to plan for the worst and um, and I think that's exactly what you're talking about yeah and, and it's it's yeah, but it's here now. It's not in the pipe. Well, it's interesting because at every lecture that I talk about when I talk about implant maintenance, I show a slide that shows the Terminator sitting at an aged uh, aged care home playing cards with some (laughs) And I say, you better start planning, you better start thinking. But as Melissa and I know, many people placing implants aren't even thinking about how to maintain them next week, let alone how to maintain them in 30 years' time or if there's been a catastrophe in this patient's life. And I see that, I know that you're probably starting to see the implants, but, you know, we're seeing all on fours and zygomatic implants being placed. I think when I was looking at the latest statistics on research, you know, it's increasing by 300,000 cases per year that are being placed. So when you're thinking about that, like that's just for one country in America, but, you know, every country is increasing and we're kind of moving in the same rate directly up. These are going to be massive issues in nursing homes when we're going to have multiple patients with full mouth rehabs all on falls fixed dentures and i just see i'm really worried actually (laughs) i'm I'm quite stressed about it yeah so i I feel like what kind of to go back to what we talked about earlier in the conversation dental hygienists need to be in 
schools so that we can educate children right off the bat because we don't know the family history. We don't know if, you know, that that family that this child comes from values dentistry or had a history of being able to even go to the dentist and knows what preventative care is. So if we're in each educational facility as a nurse and doing dental education to these children right from the get-go, we can hopefully prevent them sitting in the chair or at least reduce their probability of sitting in the chair as an adult having to get implants placed because they haven't taken care of their oral health. There's other factors involved. I know I'm just looking at one piece of the puzzle, but I think that that education, we front loaded that education, we would help eliminate a lot of dental disease and then all of the other uh, systemic factors that go along with that. And the thing is that science has changed so much. Like it's been like 20 years, we've learned so much about the about the microbiome and the connections of bacteria when it gets that dysbiotic state, but we're so slow to adapt to this knowledge. And I know it's an issue in medicine as well, but it's like, you know, y'all got to start following the science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, you know, and, and that's people do need to start following the science. But I think, you know, even some of the tips you've given in your podcast in previous episodes on on the language that, you, you know, you use and, and the language that gets to the lizard part of the brain rather than the, the logical part of the brain, which is clearly we're, we're missing, as a community, we're missing the point. Um, you know, just a turn of phrase can make such a, such a big difference. And um, look, you know, uh, we need to stay, we need to stay positive. Um, and, uh, you know, implants really uh was such a, a, a wonderful, it is such a wonderful thing, you know, when you're trying to put things back together and give people options. And, you, you know, certainly, you know, the last 10 years of my, you know, when I was doing that type of work, uh, reconstructive work uh, as a general dentist, so not as a specialist, but sort of the simpler cases, was just wonderful. And uh, the patients love them, you know, they just love them. And, um, so, you know, it is here to stay. Um, you may as well try and wind back the mobile, you know, the telephone or, the, or take away people's MasterCards or something. You're just not going to do it. It's just it's too much fun. You know, it's too good. So, um, but, yeah, education, uh, telling them the what's going on and what's going to happen and then, and then be ready to have a team of people that can go in and deconstruct um, you know, a bad situation in aged care and then just leave a missing tooth or or put a little flipper over the top, bury it and put a flipper on them. And it's not, it's not that hard to, to take people back to what their options would have been pre-implant. I mean, you guys are probably too young. To, have you ever, did you graduate with implants as part of the, on the scene? But yeah. Nope. Yeah. But, there was there was a day when implants weren't available. And, uh, yes. So there's, you know, so it's just a matter of deconstructing and taking people back to that. Um, but it, it, the conversation needs to be had. That's for sure. Yeah. I often I say when I'm lecturing, you know, about implant maintenance, I learned two things while I was in dental hygiene school. It was uh, don't probe them and don't use regular instruments on them. And that's how I was prepared <laughs> to deal with that patient population. <laughs> yeah, holy. Um, Going back to so talk to us uh, a little bit about Mark's hygiene. I would love to learn about that and and how you got into doing that and what that's all about. 
Yeah, well, thank you. And, and it's it's Dr. Mark's Hygiene, as in I dream of it's a genie, G E N I E. So Dr. Mark's Hygiene, and uh, and you know everybody in our company uh, is is a, a believes uh, in in dental health uh, and in oral hygiene, and uh, and everybody in our company believes that that also extends not just from teeth and gums but to removable dental appliances, and you know and the obvious one is dentures and. You know, as as uh, practitioners, you know, what would you say? Nine out of ten dentures that come through your door would would be dirty, or there'd be something. You know, one in ten might be clean and looked after correctly. And you know, and I can tell you, if it's if it's nine out of ten dentures, well, it'd be one in a hundred sports mouth guards get looked after properly. I mean, they end up in the bottom of the sports bag, or in one of those little flappy plastic things, or in somebody's. You know, my son kept his sports mouth. One of my boys will both kept them in their sock, you know. That's a sort of how it would come home. My daughter uh, and, plays field hockey and the girls stick them in the corner of their sports bras as they're they, they in between be, sets. Yeah. You know, so, you know, and when was the last time you saw an occlusal splint come in without a little bit of calculus on it or a, a chip on the corner and, our orthodontic aligners uh, have got cracks in them, and and you know, if they're long term, not just uh, if they're not active, if they're if they're attend, you know, then they come in with little bits of calculus. On, and don't get me started on sleep appliances. You know, like if, when was the last time you saw a clean sleep appliance? They just don't they don't exist. So, you know, we, we firmly believe that you know something had to had to be done, and um, and the way we we did it was uh, you know we wanted to make it simple. Uh, we wanted to make it easy. We wanted to make it a bit fun, uh, and we wanted to make it affordable. Um, and we wanted to follow our, our therapeutic guidelines as well. And, and so, for us, that's um, you know uh, mechanical brushing with a soap-based product, and then dry ventilated storage. You know, it's not toothpaste on a toothbrush. It's not a fizzy tablet. You know, that's that's the old way, and, and certainly the new way is is. Uh, you know, mechanical brushing soap and and dry storage. So uh, that's what led to our product range, and and that's what that's uh, how Dr. Mark's hygiene uh, was was developed. So uh, yeah, we we we're sick and tired. We were sick and tired of people putting these little germ factories back in their mouth, in and out of their mouth all the time. And uh, you know, so it's it's an integral part of the of the oral hygiene, oral health message, uh, and. Um, and pleased, pleased to say, every every person in our company is a, uh, a big believer in in uh, in that. That's awesome. Can I Do you um, also deliver to the United States? We have. We've we've launched in in the US through a dental company, a very old family dental company called Whipmix. Uh, so Whipmix uh, supply. Um, I, I, I use their articulators, you know, um, for my occlusal work uh, for, for years, and um, so they've they've launched um, uh, through selling to dental practices. Uh, we're we're looking at uh, Amazon to to go direct to public as well. Awesome. Um, I was I played golf over at Pebble Beach in 2019, and then also over in Arkansas uh, when we were looking at. You know, talking with various groups as well. Loved the United States, just the friendliest people. You know, and and the you know the, the scenery and um, uh, it was just an amazing trip. Uh, so it wasn't all about golf, but <laughs> golf, golf was wonderful uh, as well. Um, 
And uh, look, you know, uh, people in the US get it. They understand the importance of, of oral hygiene um, and we just want to support that. But, uh, yeah, no, we, we, we've, we've started and we've launched in Japan, uh, Switzerland. It's been very strong in Switzerland, uh, just recently launched in Thailand uh, and, of course, Australia New Zealand. So, uh, you know, COVID hasn't been, has not been helpful. You know, we've got a, our company has a global vision uh, to help, you know, oral health globally. And, um, you know, in a, the middle of a, we launched into a global pandemic. So, uh, but fortunately the product range is strong enough and we're getting some traction and, um, uh, yeah, it's been very, very exciting. That's great. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to get on Amazon because I like to send my patients to Amazon for everything. So that'll be awesome. I'll add you to my list. Once you get there, you'll have to let me know. I'll post you over some Yes, some definitely. That would be amazing. Thank you. Pleasure. I have a question. From Please. idea, like having the idea in your head, like thinking about this, which I, I'm not an ideas person, so I'm really in awe of people that do that, that think of something and put it into into action like you have. Um, I have but the to I disagree. You do so <laughs> many things. Well, I'm sorry. You're a big ideas <laughs> like inventing like I, I'm very like I'm very in awe of people that can invent things like this but so you have the idea and then you've got the product ready for market how long does that take like what was the, the time frame in that yeah so it's taken five years um and uh frankly you know in the first two years um you know, you're sort of still, I was still running a practice. <laughs> you still, you still got work to do. And so it was sort of weekends and nights and things. And, um, and you know, really it was a matter of uh, literally going down. So you've got the idea that you go down into your shed with a, with a hacksaw and some dishwashing brushes and you just start cutting things up with a glue gun and stick the, mucking around with that. And then, you know, when, when you sort of, have a glass of wine and get up the courage to stick it in the mail and post it to somebody who you, you know, you're just, <laughs> just, just going to get laughed at. Um, and in fact, the the guy I'm in business with, Steve uh, Placataris, he's uh, he's from New Jersey, uh, right. but he's uh, he he married an Aussie, and so he's been over here for 20 years now. And uh, and his background was is marketing and and business development, and he'd done some work for a dental company so he was aware of occlusal splints and removable appliances so I sent it to, to Steve and and he just said I don't know what it is but I think there's something in it and one day if I I might show you the the the, the first version which just looks very very crazy and, and crude but um and so you need to you need to get good people around you fairly early on uh true believers who, who believe in the product and what we're and what we're trying to do, which is to improve, you know, you certainly don't do it for the money. You, you do it because you believe that you, you need to help people. And, and, you know, you've only got to be in dentistry for five minutes to know that we've got a problem in with our removable appliances. This isn't something that needs a lot of thought. Um, so that's that's the motivating factor is to improve oral health. And uh, and then, you know, you bring in other people around you. But, um, you, you know, it's... it's uh, and then, and then when it starts to get some bones, you can then afford to commit a bit more time to it and then you've got to raise. Then the business side of it's, um, <clears throat> you know, you need, as dental professionals, we need help with that as well. So it's important we have uh, Philip Wasser's our 
chief financial officer, very, very experienced, um, you, you know, accountant, but he's more than an accountant. He's a business development type chap. And, and um, you get all these experts around you who, who do what they do. Uh, but I, it's, it's also important that the, the marketing people and, and the finance people believe in what we're doing as well. So it's, it's these guys, you know, they control the purse strings and whatnot or, or guide the company. But they're both firmly committed to to what we're trying to do. So it's been, you know, there's never any pushback when I'm sort of saying, well, it's, you know, it's got to work for this or it's got to do that. Or, you know, when we were developing the Dental Fresh, which is our cleaning soap solution, I wanted the pH to be 5.0 so that it would gently dissolve calculus and, and any existing stains. Uh, you know, I, I wanted a surfactant so that it, they would dry rapidly and, and and Steve, who's like the marketing guy, says, well, I'm going to make it smell good. So he sort of throws in this lovely peppermint oil because he realises he's the one who's going to have to sell it. And um, <laughs> so it's a combination of skills and, 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 and thoughts and, um, you know, the product wouldn't have got off, the range wouldn't have got off the ground without the input of those two fellows. And then, of course, of you know, uh, some of our investors as well, and every single one of them, you know, believes in what we're doing, and uh, and that's been good because we had some headwinds with COVID, but uh, you know, it'll it's it's all working out wonderfully well. So that's amazing. It's just you know, Rome isn't built in a day, and you definitely yeah. takes a village too. So it's just very nice to hear that because I think a lot of times, you know, you have an idea and you get so overwhelmed by it and you just kind of hold tight onto it in your own mind and you don't share or just say, Hey, what do you think of this? And, and it, it's, it's just great to hear your story that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to, to take something and say, Hey, this may sound crazy to you, but just hear me out for a minute and let me explain. So I think that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. And, and you know, to, to all the people out there, and 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 yourselves, if you've got an idea, and and because I did that for years, you know, I mean, we're all we all did that a bit. Um, but you know, for these things, there's a greater chance of being ignored than than somebody stealing your idea or or whatever. So don't. <laughs> we used to be, oh, you know someone's going to steal it or, you know, oh, it's my little baby and I need to hang on to it and control it and all this sort of stuff. Well, believe me, it's the exact opposite. You know, you need to you need to shout it from the rooftops. You need to tell as many people as you – get your patents in place first, you know. <laughs> so you won't find investors if you don't have correct patent protection and, and, and have a prop, proper business structure. So, you know, you've got to get – a certain way down before you start shouting it out everywhere, uh, especially globally. But then you've got to go hard, and and um, uh, and and it's it's very easy because you know we're doing it because we believe in the oral health, oral hygiene message. So you know you can't go wrong. You can't shout loud enough, and um, and uh, and and you can sort of be proud of what you're doing. So it's it's it becomes becomes quite easy after a while. That's one thing that I wanted to just say that I have noticed throughout this whole conversation is you are so secure on your why. And I love that. Yeah. I love that you like your heart is in this, you know exactly why you're doing this. And and you see just the, the bigger picture, you see the the emotional connection and this and the social connection. And it just reinforces how 
important our care is for people beyond the scientific part that we're all nerdy about. It's, it's so much bigger than that. And um, those are the moments that make it all worthwhile. Like when patients say, you know, you've, you've made me healthier. I notice a difference or, you know, I had bad breath and it was so embarrassing and now it's gone and you've taught me how to manage it. Like those are the things that are, that that's what lights my heart and hair on fire. And, and that's why I get up and do what I do every day. And just kudos to you for that. Oh, it's a relationship business dentistry and, and we do become attached to our patients and, you know, we, we want them to be well, um, but we want them to be happy and, uh, and, and, it just repays itself uh, over and over again, and um, yeah, it's uh, and and that's why it makes our jobs easier if we know what we're doing and why you know why we're doing it, and what we believe in, uh, and and um, that's why I was very happy to get the invite to come onto your podcast is because I you do you guys you got ten eleven out of ten for passion, you know, and and um, <laughs> and, and excitement and um, and what you're doing is is. Uh, really making a big difference and you've just got to you know please understand that um although it's late at night in australia and very early in the morning over in new jersey uh you know keep doing it because it's a wonderful resource and i was very pleased to hear that some of the universities are starting to pay attention as well and it's it's because what you what you, your message is of a very high quality uh and um, and it is science-based but it is also, uh, you know, you've made it a bit fun, and um, and and you know, and if people listen, you know, there needs to there needs to be some fun in it there somewhere, doesn't there? It can't be all textbooks and you know. No. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because Tabitha and I will often say when we met, like I was lecturing the first time we met, and she was sitting in the audience, and I was like, "Here's this woman who is like known for airflow." And I'm going to sit up here and talk about this. Oh, my gosh. Like, I was so nervous. But we had this, like, little ping pong thing going the whole time while we were, while I was up there presenting. And and then we had time to just, like, connect afterwards. And, and it was like, you know, they say love at first sight. Well, it was like friendship at first sight. And it, it was, like, it just amazing. And when she asked me to do this with her, I was like, hell, yeah, we need to do this. Because we are, like, the same person, but just different countries <laughs> well how do you think I feel, how do you think i feel melissa i'm here talking about dental hygiene in front of two of the world's best hygienists and therapists you've just got to you've just got to push it on haven't you you know oh my gosh you just made no, my day <laughs> see we're in awe of you we're very impressed yeah. with what you're doing and especially saying your why and that passion and that compassion i think that's what you really sense with everything that you've done from working in prisons to private practice to aged care, you see that compassion coming through. And I think patients sense that, people in the dental community sense that, and it's a very important aspect of, of how we provide something. Going back to the aged care, what's something that you'd like to see for aged care in the future? Like what's a change you'd like or something you'd like implemented that you think would improve it? Well, I think the number one thing is to get oral health professionals based in. Uh, aged care facilities. I can't see us getting away from that. It's it's just so important. Um, you know, you can you can show people and and explain it to them and educate them, but it's the mouth is is a strange part of the body for some for everybody other than dental professionals. So <laughs> I, I think 
you know, I think that needs to be immediately and urgently escalated, uh, that whole yeah. uh, process. So that's the number one thing. Uh, and then when that happens, the rest, I think, will follow. Um, the, the people will start demanding more services. The, the, the uh, dental community, you know, private and public, will then um, respond to that, uh, I believe. Uh, certainly I think it's worth, you know, getting the dental professionals you know, ready to go. So when when the demand does come, we're ready to meet that demand. But no, number one would be getting, uh, you know, something like the Senior Smiles Program in Australia or just at least oral health therapists based in aged care facilities um, as the highest priority. I agree. Yeah. I think, I think, I think there's a lot of awareness that has been elevated, especially during this time when we were all shut down in COVID. And I think that it's been, I think there's a lot of good things that are going to come out as a result of this global pandemic, because there's so many areas that we need to do better on. And there's so much more people that need our care, as you were saying that I'm hoping, and I feel very positive for the future that things are going to change for the patient population because they need us and our care is so important in in the overall medical delivery system and we got to really reconnect that bridge where we took the mouth out of the body and we got to just put it back and and then just go gangbusters to to get more access to care but i think yeah. we're i think we're moving in that direction yeah put a camera in the mouth take a photo and show people the reality of what we're dealing with you know yeah. uh don't just tell people, but show them, uh, and that'll you'll get the reaction you're looking for. Absolutely, I think as well. You know, private. Pra I work in private practice part time, so you know, I'm one of these people that likes being paid well and working in private practice. I won't deny that, but we have to realise as a community, it, dentistry can't just be private practice. It can't just be the luxury health to the people that can afford it, and we have a responsibility as healthcare providers to make sure that health is available to everyone, no matter what their economic status is, no matter what their dexterity to get to the dental practice is. We have to make sure as a community, we all work together and making sure that there are more services like you're providing, Mark, with dentistry to your door so that people who can't physically make it into the dental practice can actually access it because health in every aspect of health, it has to be for all. It can't just well, be luxury and 100% agree, uh, and, but also, you know, there are patients who have never been regular attenders and will never be regular attenders, and, uh, you know, the chances of them getting to 80 or going into an aged care facility and all of a sudden wanting and, and actually agreeing to pay for three monthly check and cleans, it's just not going to happen. So at the very least, at the very, you know, we're, we're, we're realists, you know, and it, so but at the very least, the people who have been regular attenders who want treatment deserve treatment, can get treatment. So let's start with the low-hanging fruit and provide the treatment to people who are crying out, literally crying out for it. And then as as that becomes the everyday normal, then we can sort of widen the wedge. Uh, now, those people who are crying out for it are both privately funded and also public patients. And there is absolutely a lot of truth in what you say there, Tabitha, and that we need a strong public service, uh, and that should be a high priority also. Definitely. Well, I wanted to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us and staying up extra late tonight. <laughs> this was such an amazing, informative 
episode. And I, I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity to meet you. And uh, I want our listeners to go check out Dr. Mark's Hygiene and see what he's Thank got you. going on there. And, um, you know, you can use that as a resource for your patients. And uh, again, can't wait to get on Amazon so we could share you with the American population. Well, and please support Whitmix. They've they've gone out of their way and they've created this crazy little video that that uh, with a hygiene um, to the sound of let's twist again. And they've so they've, oh, that's cute. The, the, uh, the Whitmix company in the US we we strongly support also. And uh, yeah, it's uh, can't wait to, to see uh, a few NFL footballers with their hygienies and, um, you know, not just the soccer mums with their kids and their mouth guards, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's grown. It's, it's been a journey. It's been wonderful. That Thanks very much. Great. Yeah. No, we'll make sure we, we put all that in information in the show notes so our listeners can find that. And um, if they wanted to get in touch with you and ask questions, um, how could they do that? Through the website, there's a direct link to our company and, and, uh, and my emails there. And, um, and but please, uh, I'll pop my email on your program notes as well. They're very welcome to do that. And, uh, it, you know, aged care dentistry is, is a passion of mine. I'm happy to take an email from anywhere in the world. Um, and, uh, and with regards to hygiene, you know, any questions about the products or what's in the solutions or how they work, you know, no problems. Just send them over. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Tabitha, any closing remarks? just want to say thank you as well. And you may be one of my favorite humans now. So. I second that. I definitely thank second well, you're, you're, you're Thank you. And it's, it's been wonderful to chat. Thank you. No, thank you very much. Have, thanks, everyone, for listening again. So we really appreciate all the feedback we've been getting and the people that join in and, and give some of their time to us. We're we're very aware of what you're giving to us and we appreciate it greatly. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. We love reading them. It's actually the highlight of our days when we get to read reviews online. And we just want to thank you so much for joining in and go follow Mark's page as well and check it out. We'll put it all in the show notes. Have a great night. Until next time, <laughs> keep disrupting. Bye.